There is a sense when we say Sabbath that the room divides, that part of you, your soul sings and you think, yes, rest. That's what I'm about. I'm about delight. I'm about rest. I'm about recreation. And others think, well, actually, I'm not sure about this business of stopping. In fact, I dare to suggest that some of you are thinking, do you know what? I get that, but it's impossible. Because we're so weary, we're so busy, and we just think, in fact, I've tried to interview quite a few people on this subject, and everyone has said no. And that genuinely, because we all think, we all think we're not doing it right. And if I do my job through God's power this morning, my hope is that we look at this gift again and say, God, this is your gift. There is grace in this. There is mercy in this. And Jesus modeled that, didn't he, in the New Testament, where he said, this is not about legalism. This is about mercy. This is about actually modeling the rest that God rested, as we read, on the seventh day. Someone who's very famous for his reaction to Sabbath is Eric Liddell. Some of you will have seen Chariots of Fire, uh, the old film, or maybe you saw a production we did as a church a few years ago. Uh, called Chariot. And Eric Liddell refused to run for an Olympic heat. You imagine getting to the absolute peak of your athleticism and then to find out that to get through to the finals of the Olympics, you've got to run on the Sabbath. And he said no. Now, I don't know about you, but that just absolutely, I cannot imagine doing that if I'm really honest with you. But he kind of not necessarily justified that decision, but he opened that decision up for debate by saying, but what if God is more important to me than anything else? What if this is not about legalism? It's actually about surrender. So I've asked John to come and just read us some words that were taken from the script that we did for Chariot, just to remind us of what Eric Little said uh, in the arena when he gathered people together to speak up for honouring the Sabbath. Well, good morning, everyone. You know, I've played rugby for Scotland a few times now, um, but speaking like this in public, well, it really makes me nervous. Um, but I'm going to try and follow in my missionary father's footsteps and explain, say a few words about what following Christ means to me. There are people who will tell you that becoming a Christian will solve all your problems. I'm afraid I'm not one of those people. Truth is, I think those people are talking through their hats. I follow Christ because he's my Lord and Savior, and because I believe that living by his commandments is the best way for me and for everyone else around me. The best but probably not the easiest. Take the Ten Commandments. Imagine there are some of those that we can all agree on. But for others, you might well ask, why? Why should you follow these commandments? After all, isn't it easier sometimes to lie than to tell the truth? Sometimes doesn't that even seem kinder, nicer? Isn't it natural to envy someone else what someone else has? Are there not times when the Sabbath day seems more like a nuisance than a blessing? My answer to those questions as a Christian is yes. 
Yes, there absolutely are those times when the commandments seem to be in my way, unnatural even. But as a Christian, it isn't about going my way. It's about going God's way. The best way for me and everyone around me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's the way I want to go. Gentlemen, ladies, what following Christ means to me is that I will obey the Bible not only when it seems good to me to do so, but also, I might even say especially, when I don't want to. When everything within me would very much like to walk an easier path to compromise just a little bit. I believe that everyone's conscience is their own. But when I gave Christ my heart and my life, I meant it. That means that Christ is the Lord of my life when things are easy and when things are hard. The Bible tells me that faith without works is dead. In other words, in life, just like in sport, it's your actions that count. It isn't what you say, it isn't even what you believe in your hearts, it's what you do. When I played rugby, there have been times when the sun was shining and everything my team tried seemed to work and the points were coming from everywhere and life was easy. But I've also played in mud up to my knees, in pouring rain, with the crowds on our backs, when everything we seemed to try went wrong. The players I want beside me are the ones who've been through the mud and the blood and they've kept on trying. They didn't hide from the ball, they didn't shy from the tackles, they didn't try to cheat or foul. They kept on trying to play good rugby and win the match. And it's like that with being a Christian. Doing the right thing, playing the game the right way, not just when times are good, but in the other times too. You know, I love playing for Scotland. I love running and I love competition. I love it, it's in my blood. So I hope that it will mean something. If I tell you that I can cheerfully say along with St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians, that I count everything, even sport, even competition, I count it all as rubbish, absolute rubbish next to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. If you knew how much I love rugby and, and running and competition in general, then that gives you some idea of how much I love Christ. What he means to me. He is the way and the truth. And he is my life. He is my strength. He is my joy. And that is what I pray that I will always Put him first. They're inspirational words, aren't they? I find them very, very moving. Um, Sabbath, we've put this in a, a series on battles, and you might think, well, what's the battle? But this, I believe, is a posture of defiance. In a really busy, busy world that we're all in, it's the very air that some of us breathe even, it is an act of defiance to say, I will set aside some time that is unto the Lord. 
And I think that Sundays are really tricky. <laughs> Certainly for me, they're really tricky. I grew up in a household where my mum hated Sunday. She hated Sunday because when she grew up, um, the television couldn't come on. Everything was about abstinence. And she used to feel really, really low, couldn't see her friends, couldn't do anything, couldn't celebrate, couldn't smile. <laughs> I'm probably exaggerating, but do you know what I mean? So she hated Sundays. And I think we as children caught that a little bit. There was a sort of subdued nature to Sundays that didn't really sit with the way that we live the rest of our lives. And I do not think that is what Jesus is talking about or what God is modeling. In fact, I dare to say it's almost the opposite. It's the day that we want to look forward to or the half day or the three hours or whatever you choose to do rhythmically for you, for your life, that actually will set aside time unto the Lord. So really quickly, we're going to look at four principles of Sabbath. We're going to look at why is it so important and what can it look like in each of our lives? John Mark Comer, a brilliant, brilliant theologian, I highly recommend him, says Sabbath is a way to break our addiction to accomplishment and accumulation. And there is something about identity that I think is really at the heart of this that actually says, when I am resting, I am totally accepted. I don't have to achieve any more to receive the gift of acceptance that God has for every one of us here. And yet the voices in our heads say, I just need to finish that piece of work because I have to, because of my boss or because of whatever I have to. And there are voices even now saying this is impossible. And yet it's breaking this addiction that we have to accomplishment that actually says, I am my success. No, the Bible says you are a precious, loved child of God who he has made and who he thinks is absolutely incredible. When we stop, we model what God did. And if God is God and had to stop, I guess we need to choose to do the same. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Robert Barron says, the essence of being made in God's image is our ability, like God, to stop. We imitate God both by our working and our resting. Interesting point. If we can stop for one day a week or for mini Sabbaths each day, we touch something deep within us as image bearers of God. That because we are children created in the image of God, there is something in us that craves this rhythm of rest, needs it to flourish, needs it to survive. And that actually when we stop, we actually get back in touch with the fact that we are image bearers of God. That as we stop, we surrender. Sabbath actually means to halt, to pause, to stop. And we were created with that desire uh, within us. I wonder um, whether any of you um, feel like busyness serves as a little bit of a protection. I know I do sometimes. That actually to keep going is sometimes easier than to stop and look at life. And so we keep going. There's a brilliant article in the New York Times called The Busy Track. 
and it says this, busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against any emptiness. Your life can't be meaningless if you're so busy, completely booked up and in demand every hour of every day. And there is something about that. I remember going to a leader's um, time away years ago, and we were challenged to meet one another and not to meet each other's diaries. And you would think that was very straightforward. It isn't. And you can think of the context for you with that, that we meet and we say, oh, what's going on for you? And we list things, or we say, oh, I'm really busy, or a bit. Now, sometimes that's just a very honest response to the question. But we are not defined by how busy or busy we are or not. That actually there is a kind of tyranny that the New York Times was examining there that says, I have to keep going because my significance comes from that. We were created to rest, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Interestingly, uh, it's related to slavery in the Bible, Sabbath. Now, you might think that's a weird juxtaposition, but actually in Deuteronomy 5, verses 15 and 16, we see this reminder. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt 400 years the Israelites. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Israelites used to work. They were called working machines. They never stopped. They never, ever stopped. They just kept going, kept going. And then we have this statement that says, I've got you out of that. And I wonder as a nation and as a world, if we've returned to slavery, if we've said, no, we're the same as the Israelites, we've just got to keep going because all the messages would say, got to keep going, can't stop. And actually the Old Testament speaks directly into our lives, you and I. Uh, there's a story told of uh, a trip where um, an Oregon wagon um, was full of Christians and they were traveling from St. Louis to Oregon. And after the autumn, where they'd taken a Sabbath rest every time that they were traveling, they'd taken one day off, they agreed that actually if they were going to get to Oregon in time uh, and, and miss the snowfall, then they would have to stop honoring the Sabbath. They would just have to keep going. And this divided them, probably much like us today. It divided them. It split them down the middle. Some said, no, we will not give up our Sabbath. And others said, no, we've got to get ahead of the, snow the snowstorm. We will keep going. Now, guess who got there first? It was the Sabbath rest people, a bit like the heron tortoise. They got there first because their horses were rested, because they were rested, and I would dare to say that when I have got overly committed, and that has happened, believe you me, and some of you know this, I have literally prayed over my diary and said, would you do something, Lord? I've messed up. This is too much for me to carry. And God, in his mercy, has taken things out has moved things around for me. Miracles have happened. It happened when I used to work for Salt Mine and we said we've done too much and then we get a phone call, can we move that? If God is in charge of your life and mine, he can multiply our time. And I think whenever we stop, even if it's for two hours, we see that actually we come back to something in a different place. 
with a breath of fresh air and a bit of inspiration that actually we could have still been working for those two hours and maybe not even made so much progress. Matthew 11, some famous words from Jesus. If you're new to scripture, just hear this for the first time. It's beautiful. This is Jesus saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. I will take my yoke upon you and learn from, sorry, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, that could be headline news, I feel, for our nation and for our world today, to just say, why can't you rest? Because I am rest. Why can't you find this in any of the other places? We've got a world that says we're practicing mindfulness or we're practicing yoga or we're going to a retreat or we're going to a spa. And we know that many of those things are great, but actually we still are restless. There's still a restlessness because we were created for God. The Sabbath was created for him. Peter uh, Cesario talks about the delight of Sabbath the fact that this is a gift to us. Uh, when many of us uh, studied emotionally healthy spirituality just before Christmas, I know for me personally, I was challenged afresh to receive Sabbath as a delight rather than a duty. Sabbath is like receiving the gift of a heavy snow day every week. You have permission to play, be with friends, take a nap, read a good book. Few of us would give ourselves a no obligation day very often. I love that. It, it, it relates to my positivity and gift for celebration. Because it's, it's not all about abstinence. It's about engagement. How are we going to engage with the good things that God's put in our life? How are we going to turn off our devices and have that family time around the table when none of us look at our phones? It could be that. You will know what you can do. And all of us can do something. That's my challenge. I want us to go away from here really excited rather than downcast. Some of you looking that way. Others still a little downcast, if I may say. But this is a gift. It's like being told you've got an extra bit of time. You know, imagine if your boss or your, you know, says, or, you know, your busy mum and you're told, actually, I, I can have half a day just for me. I know a woman who is a single mum of three very boisterous children who used to have her Sabbath in an airing cupboard before the kids got up. And people would say to her, how do you do it as a single mum with three full on kids? And she would say, I get up at 5.30 and I sit in my airing cupboard and I pray. To me, that's incredible. I also know that John Wesley, his mother, used to put her apron over her head uh, when all the kids, I think she had something crazy like 10 kids, and she just used to put the apron over her head for her little mini Sabbath. You know, she could do it. We can do this. It's about intention. You're cheering up a bit now. This is good. It's because we're delighting, isn't it? And finally, contemplate. The end says that God blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. It's a both and. It's a gift, but it is a discipline. It's something we want to unwrap and delight in and set ourselves free for, but it is also uh, a discipline. Uh, Pete Gregg says this, Delight without discipline eventually dissipates, but when delight and discipline learn to dance, it's like a tongue twister, relationships thrive. 
He says this in his brilliant new book, and can I heartily recommend, if you are struggling with your prayer life, there's a book that he's just written called How to Pray, which I have been dipping into every day this week, and it's just brilliant. It's so accessible, and it's brilliantly written. And he says this because people like us need both. Delight without discipline eventually dissipates. We know that's true. But when delight and discipline learn to dance, relationships thrive. And that's true of our relationships, our marriages, our friendships, our parenting. But it's also true of our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God, that we need the both. We need both for us to thrive. As we come to a close, I want us just to contemplate what this might look like for us. How do we kind of climb off the rat race? How do we climb off the wagon for that Sabbath day for us? What will it look like when all around us is the tyranny of the urgent? In the film, The Greatest Showman, uh, um, the central character, Hugh Jackman, who I know there are many fans of his here, um, sings these words, come back home, I drank champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praised my name, but those are someone else's dreams, the pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers, the crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember what it was all for. And I think as we do come to a close, as we come, as Jesus says, like children, invited to a dance, invited to a party, invited to something good. This is for our good. And it is possible. And if you perhaps this week say, well, I'm going to test this out and come back to me and say it is not possible, then we can talk. But I know for me, it has become absolute lifeblood uh, to keep going. I had an Uber the other night, Um, and uh, it's been a a really good night, got into the Uber, and I was, you know, you have that thing where you think, are we going to chat, are we not? Um, I was quite tired, and uh, the guy said, oh, I'm busy tonight, and I said, are you? Yeah, I bet you are, you know, Friday night, and he said, oh, yeah, because it's Ramadan, and uh, so many drivers are going to their meal now, and I said, oh, do you mean the iftar meal? And he said, oh, how did you know that? Yes, that is what I mean. I said, oh, I've been to one, you know, and he said, are you Muslim? And I said, oh, no, actually, I'm a a Christian. He said, are you? He said, I was brought up as a Christian. I was brought up as a Catholic, actually. And he said, it's so hard, though, isn't it? It's just hard to keep going. He said, how do you keep going? How do you keep going? (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? You know, always be ready. And I I just said, well, do you know, I've got this app on my phone, and it's the Bible in one year. And I read that every morning. And if I can't read it, somebody reads it to me because I've got it on audio. Um, And I said, actually, it would work for you because if you're doing an airport run, you could just put it on and you get, you know, the the joys of Nicky Gumbel or somebody actually reading it to you. And he said, I'm going to do that. And we stopped in my road. He went on to the app store and he got the app for the Bible in one year. And, you know, that was him, not me. (laughs) It was him grilling me. But there is something about the fact that we were created for this God, that everyone is searching somewhere. Everyone is looking for the rest of the soul. And we have these words of eternal life. As we contemplate scripture within our Sabbath, he will give us rest.